Thank you, Lord. Well, if you would this morning, turn to the book of Romans, Romans 16. Let's all believe together for utterance, for the anointing, for revelation. You know, uh, what comes out and what kind of service we have is not just all up to the preacher. It's not. You know, there were times that... uh, Jesus' ministry was hindered. Hmm? Is that right? There were times that the Bible said he couldn't do certain things in a crowd, in a place. I know that sounds hard for religious minds to accept, but it's Bible. Mark 6, 5, for instance. And uh, it's just a fact that God, though he is almighty and all-powerful, he's made man with a free will, and he's not going to force people to do things. If he's going to force people to do anything, he'd force them to get saved. But he's not. And so he makes available to us his truth, his provision, his redemption. But it's up to us whether we receive it. And I know uh, the scripture says, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. For the measure you meet. With all, that's how it'll be measured back to you. Now, the measure of what? The measure of how you hear. Uh, talking to Brother Kenneth about this, when they first came in, we, we were having a meal and we were talking about how far God had brought us from where we were in the very beginning. You've heard them describe their humble beginnings and and we are that way, and so many of you, same story. So ignorant, broke, defeated, failures in many respects. And yet, do you remember some of the first words you heard about faith and that was anointed? Can you remember it? I'm seeing blank looks across the, the crowd. I sure remember it. Do you remember some of the first? Now, I grew up in church. And thank God for what I heard, but so much of what I heard was just people's opinions and tradition and religion. But uh, I guess we were about uh, 18 or so, heard some of the first faith. And I didn't understand half of what the person was saying, but when I got through hearing the tape, my spirit was happy. I thought, I got to hear some more of this. <laughs> because the first time I had really been fed, even though I'd been born again for years, I hadn't been fed because, you know, people preaching on their opinion of, you know, righteousness and do's and don'ts and religious tradition and regulations, and none of that will feed your spirit. And people, you know, taking excerpts from secular literature and political issues and combining a little uh, neat-sounding sermonette, that won't feed your spirit, will it? You can be in church like that for years and still be a baby and never grow because you're not fed. But, oh, we begin to grow. Glory to God. And I knew after several years... We, we are different people. You know, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about, oh, about 10 years after that. We were completely different people, Phyllis and myself. Had a completely different life than we had had before. Thought different, talked different, 
were different. And we visited some of our friends that we had known before those 10 years. And uh, some of them were right where they were 10 years before. Had not changed, had not moved. And yet they heard the same thing we heard. Because I gave the tapes to them. After I heard them. I said, you got to hear this. And I thought, Lord, what's the deal? They heard the same thing we heard. And the Lord helped me to see they did not value it. Oh, did you hear this now? This is so big. Take heed what you hear. And take heed how you hear. I mean, when we heard it, Phyllis and I got so excited, we thought, this is the best thing we ever heard in our life. You mean we don't have to stay poor? We don't have to be broke? Are you serious? You mean God will actually heal you today? You mean God's not mad at us? He loves you? You can, you know, we got so excited. Why? We valued that word. Turn, you know, hold your text there, but turn to 1 Thessalonians real quickly. This is all extra, free, no charge. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. He said, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God... Which you heard of us. You received it not as the word of men. But as it is in truth the word of God. Which which effectually works also in you that believe. Is it possible to hear the wonderful life changing word of God and it have no effect on you? It is. It's possible for two people to sit side by side in the same service. Hear the same thing. One leave bored. The other leave forever changed. It depends on how you hear it. Didn't Jesus ask people one time, how do you read that? How are you seeing it? How are you reading it? How are you hearing it? Sometimes people say, well, I didn't get anything out of that. That doesn't mean it wasn't anything there. Hmm? Just because you didn't get it doesn't mean it wasn't there. And anytime anybody anywhere opens the Bible and reads the Bible, you ought to get something. Because there's something there. Every time. (laughs) Glory to God. How you hear it. So we should stir ourselves up. Take heed how you hear. For the measure that you meet. The measure of what? The measure of value you're giving to what you hear. The measure of reverence. The degree of respect that you give what you hear. Is going to determine the measure of anointing. Revelation. Ability. Blessing. That comes into you and on you from what you hear. You'll notice people who are not valuing it, they talk about the human vessel more than they do the divine source. Did you hear what he said? He said, when you heard Paul, 
When you heard the word that I brought to you, he said, you didn't hear it as the words of men. You didn't say, that's Paul talking. That's Paul's opinion. That's what Paul thinks. That's Paul. Mm -mm. And you can tell people who are carnal and are not receiving because they keep talking about the flesh. They keep talking about the natural men or women that God might be using to say the words. And Jesus himself, how many remember that in his own hometown, they judged him after the flesh. And they said, well, that's Joseph and Mary's boy. We know him. One said, yeah, my brother works with his brother down at the convenience store. The other said, yeah, uh, his daddy fixed a plow stock for me one time. And they're looking at the flesh and they missed the anointing. And they didn't get the benefit out of his words. And they despised his message and didn't believe and didn't receive. You've got to respect it. He said, because when I brought you that message, you didn't receive it as the words of men. But you received it as it is in truth. The words of God. And because you did, it is working effectively and powerfully in you right now. Oh, come on. Can you say amen? Particularly those of us that have been privileged to hear so much and to be around so much. Don't become jaded at the word of God. Hmm? Don't become passive. Every time this book is opened, every time somebody reads out of it, every time somebody preaches out of it, every time you order everything in you, come to attention and go, this is the holy word of God. Hmm? These are not just the words of men. This is the word of God. Respect it. Reverence it. Because according to how much reverence and value you put on it, that's going to determine how much comes out of it to you. Isn't that what he said? Well, let's get some more out of the Word of God today. Romans 16. Now, we've been on this subject for a few weeks now here at Faith Life Church. And... uh, This has been our text, our main text in Romans 16 and 26. Are you there? It says, 16, 26. Now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. The NIV says, now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey Him. Everybody say, believe Believe. and obey Him. him. Now, what was that phrase in the King James? The obedience of faith. Say that out loud. The obedience of faith. One more time. The obedience... Of faith. Now, we're faith people. This is Faith Life Church. We believe in faith. Right? Live by faith. Walk by faith. Get healed by faith. Get your bills paid by faith. Be protected by faith. Please God by faith. Overcome the whole world by faith. We believe it. And we've been taught about what faith is and How faith comes and how to release your faith and how to increase your faith. I don't think, though, we've been strong enough on this. According to the word, 
faith is inseparable from obedience. Obedience is the proof of faith. Are you with me? The scripture says faith without works is dead. Now what kind of results will you get with dead faith? You won't get results. It's dead. It doesn't produce faith. Well, what is dead faith? Saying you believe something, but you won't act on it. Is dead faith. Non-producing faith. Dead faith won't get you healed. Dead faith won't get your bills paid. Hmm? So what's living faith? Living faith is faith, a person that is persuaded to the point of action. Hmm? A person who is persuaded enough and trusts God enough to obey Him. Now if this sounds new to you, don't let it get away. This is huge. This is big. If you really believe God, you will obey God. If you can't be persuaded to obey God, you don't believe God. I mean, what if I instructed you to do something and you said, oh, Brother Keith, I trust you. I trust you. I believe you know what you're talking about and I trust you. So go ahead and do it. Well, I trust you. I sure believe in you and I believe you know what you're talking about and I don't believe you'd tell me to do something wrong and well go on and do it already. I trust you. (laughs) Until you do it, I don't believe it. Hmm? Prove it. Now, we saw last week That from the Garden of Eden, throughout time up until this present day, there are tests that we must pass. And they are tests of faith and obedience. We talked about why was there a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Why did there have to be one? Because you can't have real faith unless somebody has a freedom of choice to choose not to believe. You can't have real love unless somebody can choose not to love you. You can't have real obedience unless somebody really does have the freedom to not obey. So they failed the tree test. And it cost them dearly. Cost us to this day. And we saw the first generation of Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage. They were to pass tests, pass tests, pass tests, and be promoted into Canaan's land. But they kept failing tests because they wouldn't do what he told them to do, would they? Have you ever read that just, you know, through, straight through, and see how many times he'd say, do this, and so they'd do the opposite? We studied, you know, the uh, manna test. Somebody say manifest. He told them, uh, don't store it up overnight. So naturally, what'd they do? Store it up overnight. <laughs> then he said, don't go out and gather it on the Sabbath. So what'd they do? Went out, gathered on the Sabbath. He said, go up and take the land. So what'd they do? Sat in their tents and cried. Said, we can't do it. 
He said, well, all right, go back in the wilderness. They said, no, we're ready to go now. And he said, no, don't go up. The Lord's not with you. So what'd they do? They went up and got whooped. (laughs) Now, the thing is, we read that and we go, what's wrong with them? (laughs) And not remembering that the Bible says the things that happened to them happened as examples for us. And friend... This is such a gigantic problem in the church, in the body of Christ. There is so much disobedience. You don't see it all, but the masses of people sitting in churches have not done what the Lord told them to do. He says do it so they don't. He said don't do it so they keep on. Now we're not going to point any fingers. We're not going to throw any rocks because we've all. Come short in this area. Hmm? But the problem is, it costs you. I said it costs you. Go to Isaiah 1, please. Does anyone ever have to be disobedient? No, you don't. That's the reason you have to repent. If you couldn't have helped it, you shouldn't be required to repent. Wasn't your fault. Reason you have to repent is because you could have done differently. Could have obeyed instead of rebelled. Isaiah 1. Anybody got a verse marked in here? How about verse 19? You got that one marked? Isaiah 1 19. What does it say? If you be willing and talk about it. Huh? If you'd be willing and think about it. No. If you'd be willing and you got to go ahead at some point and quit talking and do. Do. Quit thinking and, and talking and do. If you're willing and obedient, obedient, obedient. Somebody say obedient. That's me. Obedient. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, that's not the end of that. Is it? I mean, even the punctuation. Indicates here that it's not. And what else does it say? But. Everybody likes to stop and holler on the willing and obedient. Eating the good. Most people just like to talk about the eating good part. Eating good of the land. Eating good of the land. Willing and obedient. Yeah, you're right, right. Eat the good of the land. (laughs) No, you got to be willing. What if you're unwilling? You don't qualify. What if you're disobedient? Stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious, won't listen. Nobody can tell you. Well, then you're not going to eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's just as true as verse 19. People don't shout over it, but it's true. Right? (laughs) Listen to this. Don't turn there, but I'm just give you a few more reviewing a little bit for you. Job 36, 11 and 12 says, If they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Did you hear that? How many believe that? If what? But, verse 12, uh uh-oh, there it is again. But, if they obey not, 
They'll perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Also, Psalm 68, 6. Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. And he brings out those that are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The English version says rebels will have to live in a desolate land. How many remember though Deuteronomy 11, 27 and 28 says a blessing. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. A blessing if you obey. Everybody look at that. How many believe in the blessing? Hmm? You're going to experience the blessing how? If you obey. What if you don't? If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. The next verse, verse 28. And what? You're going to get a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you've not known. And people think, well, idolatry, that don't apply to us anymore. Well, certainly it's with us just like it was then. It can be any number of things. A lot of people, they are their own God. They do what they want to do. You're going to be blessed if, somebody say if. If you obey. And if you don't obey, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be in the curse. Is obedience important? It is so important. It is so important. Now, let's look at another place. Turn with me over to, uh, oh, let's see. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. If you would find that, 1 Corinthians 4. And I'm going to. Review just a little bit more. What does it mean to obey? We gave definitions. To obey literally means to listen to, to pay attention to, to yield to, to submit to. It also means to do. Do it. What does it mean to obey? Well, this is one of these words that probably means what you think it means. Hmm? Obey. Well, you've got to pay attention in order to do it, right? If you're not even going to listen to it and hear it, well, you're not going to do it. So you hear it, you pay attention to it, you yield, you submit, you do. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but in our generation, both the word submit And the word obey are very unpopular. Aren't they? They've been taken out of a lot of things. Because both of them are politically incorrect in our generation. To talk about this person submitting to this person or this person obeying this person. Hmm. People don't like that. They're like. Well, we work together. (laughs) But that's not the Bible. Now, if it's Bible, you like it, right? 
Well, then we'll be in good shape. What does it mean to rebel? What is the opposite of obeying? Well, disobeying. And why do people disobey? People disobey out of rebellion. Somebody said, well, sometimes they disobey out of ignorance. Uh Uh-uh. No. That's not real disobedience. If you thought you were obeying but didn't know, well, you weren't rebelling. Can you see this now? And sometimes people say, well, I I wasn't really being disobedient. I just forgot. (laughs) Boy, you hear that a lot now, don't you? We just forgot. Man, that's convenient, isn't it? People think that is a legitimate excuse for all kind of stuff. Don't you let your kids use that on you all the time. Did you do what I told you to do? I forgot. You know what they just got through telling you? If it was true. If it was true that they forgot. They just got through telling you it was not important to them. They didn't care. You told them something. It was important to you. And they were still trying to watch TV or play Nintendo or something, you know. And and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, Dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they forgot. Well, that's serious. And yet people just make that a blanket excuse. Well, they forgot. Bless their hearts. They forgot. I forgot to come. I forgot to come to church. I forgot to come and show up when I signed up to be on that team and help. I was so sorry. It just completely slipped my mind. And people think, oh, that's all right. You know, we forget stuff sometimes. No, it is not all right. You just told us that this was so trivial and unimportant to you that you didn't remember it. I guarantee you remember to get up and go on vacation. I guarantee you, you remember to go pick up your paycheck. You will remember what's important to you. And when you say you forgot it, you just got through saying it wasn't important to me. So it's not okay, I forgot. This means you're not valuing the things of God. Rebel, what does it mean to rebel? Well, what, you know, real disobedience, you were told to do something. And you knew what you were told to do. You understood what you were supposed to do. And you just decided not to do it. This is the nature of Of the devil himself. Isn't it? It's the nature of Satan himself. It is no small trivial thing. People act like stubbornness. You know well we're a little stubborn. You know I know I have a stubborn streak. And that's just me. And and little ones are defying their parents. And refusing. And they make excuses. I've had Christians. I've had ministers look at me. When their child would just be in rebellious. And they said well you know. They've got that strong leader spirit in them. And, you know, they just are such a leader that that's, ah. The devil was a leader too. He led a third of the angels in rebellion against God. I don't care what kind of call they got on their life. They will not amount to anything if they don't learn how to obey. And submit. Come on now. Are you listening to me? And the bigger responsibility. And the bigger call. You think they got on their life. The less you need to tell them. How important they are. And the more you need to hold them. Did you hear me? 
To obedience. Why? Because it is possible to be called to a huge ministry and never do any of it. You see it. Kids who run the house will not be good leaders. Did you hear me now? Kids who run the house. Mom and daddy revolve around the kids. They do whatever the kids say all the time. They will not make a good leader. They cannot. They are not trained. They are not qualified. You must learn to submit and to obey. Everybody say submit. Submit. Obey. These are not popular words, are they? They're politically incorrect words. But they're Bible words. Aren't they? God is good. And when God tells you to obey something, watch it. Every time he says, here's a commandment, obey me. Every time it's either to protect you. Or to bless you. Every time. He's looking out for you. And we're fools if we don't obey him. Every time. He's got nothing to prove. He's got no hidden agenda. How many understand God is not dealing with any insecurity issues? He needs us to submit to him so he'll feel important. He needs us to worship him and tell him how wonderful he is and absolutely obey us so he'll be, you know, are you kidding? He is God. Has always been God. There's not any insecurity. Nothing about him that needs propping up. Nothing. When he tells you obey, when he tells you submit, it's for your benefit. Your benefit. To protect you. Or to bless you. And if you're smart at all. You'll say yes Lord yes. (laughs) To your will and your way. We looked at the face of rebellion. 1 Samuel 15. Don't turn there but this is something we looked at a couple of weeks ago. What does rebellion look like? What does rebellion sound like? Because how often do you hear people of God saying, Boy, I was sure rebellious this morning. I have repented, but I was rebellious. Huh? I mean, if you just go by what you hear, there really are no rebellious people around. How many times have you heard? When's the last time you said? When's the last time you said? Oh man, I was rebellious on that. Oh God. Forgive me. I disobeyed. And I was rebellious. Well, it's happening all the time. If it's not us, who's doing all this disobedience? If none of us are rebellious, where are these rebellious people at? Because we know there's a lot of them around. What what is rebellion? We saw the face of rebellion in a man named Saul. Didn't we? In where the prophet Samuel said to him finally, he said to obey is better than sacrifice. He said rebellion 
is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as idolatry. Now most people do not see it that way. They think, well, I've been a little stubborn. I've got a little stubborn streak. That's just like saying I worship idols a little bit. But people don't see it the same way, do they? What if I said, you know, so-and-so, they're a good guy. You know, they practice a little witchcraft. (laughs) You know, here and there. But they're good people. The Bible said that's the same as saying they're a little rebellious. We have not seen it that way. Under the law, rebellion was a capital offense punishable by death. We've not seen it that way. We've made excuses for it. We tolerate it. We call it being independent. Let's wake up. Let's see it the way God sees it. God despises it. It is the nature of the devil. You don't want anything of the devil in you. Do you? Then you must not be rebellious at all. You must not be stubborn at all. You must not be disobedient at all. At all. all. Not even a little bit. None. 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 No matter what you have been in the past, no matter how hard-headed you've been, how much you wouldn't listen, how stubborn you may have been, that can be over today. By the grace of God, it can be over today if you'll just have a willing heart. Everybody say, I am willing. willing. By faith. faith. I am willing. I will be obedient. I am not rebellious. I will obey. I will submit. I love God. And I serve God. Glory to God. Now, it, I can't express it all. I don't think any man could express the length and breadth of this because there are so many things wrong in so many Christians lives and they've been there so long and it's simply because of this this stubbornness God told people what to do 10 years ago man got around to it yet they're thinking about it they talk about it sometime when God does with you to do something And you don't do it. That means you don't walk in the light. Which means you go the other way. Which means things get darker. And that's how people get their lives in such a mess. And then they act so confused about why it's that way. We don't know why it's this way. It's such a mess. But nobody knows why. It's this great mystery. No, it's not a great mystery. You didn't obey. Look back along your life. The Lord told you to do things and you didn't obey. I remember a couple I was ministering to in healing school. I had the privilege of working at Kenneth Hagin Ministries and their healing school for years. And there was a couple, and uh, one of them had terminal disease, doctor said. And uh, we'd minister to them. And the Lord had me talk about doing the plan of God. That if you want God's perfect will for your life in blessing, you have to do His perfect will for your life. The plan of God. They go hand in hand. And uh, this man came up to me. uh, This man had a tender heart, you could tell. And he was crying. He was older. And he said, Brother Keith, man, that's it. That is it today. I said, what? He said, well, what are you preaching about? He said, God dealt with me to go to China 
in the ministry for him 40 years ago. I said, you didn't go? He just shook his head. I said, why? He said, my wife said she didn't marry, you know, to be a missionary. And she wasn't leaving her family. And she wasn't going, particularly at that time where we were going, the conditions weren't very good. And we didn't know what kind of conditions we'd be living in. And, And she just said, well, if you're going, you're going without me. And I just couldn't stand the thought of that. And so I didn't go and we didn't go. And he said, we've been sick. We've been broke. We've had one problem after another for 40 years. He said, we love God and we love each other. But we have just had one problem after another in our life. And now he said, you know, we're older and at the end of our life. And that's sad. I said, that's sad. We only got one life down here to serve God with. We ain't got 40 years to waste. If you think obeying God's hard, you had not thought about the disobeying. Obeying God, the devil will lie to you. He said, oh, you won't like that. Oh, you won't like that. I, Phyllis and I, there's been numerous times. The Lord, deal us Leave this and go here. Leave everything and go here. We've done it more than once in our life. And when, you know, your head will go, why? We just kind of got built up here. And we got our friends here. We got this here. And if you're dumb, you'll be afraid. Which means you don't believe him enough to obey. You don't trust him enough to obey. You'll be afraid and you want to hold on to what you know and your little security. And oh, you miss such huge blessings when you don't obey God. And the tragic thing is you never know what you missed. Because you missed it. You never found out. Somebody say, not me. Not me. Not me. Not me. I am not afraid to obey. I believe God. I trust Him. I will obey. I will obey. Let me go over this quickly again. Saul was the face of rebellion. In that chapter we looked at it. We saw rebellion is proud. Proud. Pride is the nature of the devil. Rebellion is proud. It has all these visions of grandeur about itself. And that's why it decides to not do something, because it's got its own agenda. We saw pride is a liar. Excuse me. Rebellion is a liar. Rebellion is a deceiver. He kept trying to tell Samuel, I have obeyed the Lord. And he knew he hadn't. Rebellion will look at you and go, well, I didn't really understand that you meant that. Liar? Devilish. Oh, I thought you meant... That we were supposed, you liar, you better shut up <laughs> and repent right now. Now, I know it may sound humorous, to, but those of us who were in this two weeks ago, we saw Saul lost the place he was born to. God said at the end of it that it repented him that he put Saul in there. God said, wish I'd have never put him in there. Hmm. 
To lose the place you were born for? To lose your call and anointing that you were destined for? That's why I say, shut your mouth. Repent. Don't you stand up there and lie. Why would you do that? You go, stupid. Rebellious. I was rebellious. Oh, God, I repent right now. God, forgive me. I was rebellious, and I repent. I reject the nature of the devil. I'm not going to be like that. But don't you stand there and go, well, I didn't really understand what you meant. I thought you said do it. You, you mean you didn't want me to do it? Don't let your kids get by with this. Hmm? Don't let them stand there and try to snow you. You know they understood what you told them to do. Don't you do it. Let it be serious with you. Let it cost them something. Did you hear me now? Why? Because if they don't learn it now, it's going to cost them more later. And if they don't learn it with you, they won't do it with God. He was deceptive. Rebellion is deceptive. We also saw that rebellion is argumentative. He argued with him. He said, what is this? Lowing of the sheep, I hear. What is this livestock? And he said, we did do it. We did do it. We did. He knew he hadn't. Rebellion is an arguer. You say up, it'll say down. Right? You say yes, it'll say no. How many have met folk, they just, for no good reason, they wanted to argue. They just like to argue. Because it's their nature. They're rebellious. People say, well, I like to think for myself, and I just question things. That's healthy. Who told you that? Where'd you get that? You got it from the world. Here's a question you ought to ask all the time. Where's the Scripture? You ought to ask that one all the time. Where's the Scripture? But if the Scripture's there, it ain't no more time for you to think for yourself. And question it. It's time to do. (laughs) Is that okay? Argumentative. We saw that rebellion blames others. Some of these things people don't think of as rebellious, but that's what it is. You know, when he told him, what is this lowing of the sheep I hear? And what did Saul say? Well, the people. The people, you know, brought some sheep. Yeah, they did. But but we wiped them out. And it's like you said, we did the commandment. Liar, liar. He's the king. They'd have followed him, whatever he said. It was his idea. But he's trying to blame somebody else. And here's the big deal. Well, no, there's another one. Excuse me. He said, we brought all this to offer to the Lord. Rebellion wants to do anything except what you told it to do. And tries to work around it. Well, you know, well, maybe we didn't just wipe everything out. But we have brought a big offering to the Lord. And we're going to give a big offering. So won't you forget about those other little details. No, the Lord didn't tell you to bring a big offering. He told you to do this. But you'll find rebellion wants to skirt the issue some way. Well, we'll do this. Well, we'll do that. He wants to do anything except what it was told to do. And finally, here's the big one. Rebellion is unrepentant. It won't repent. 
And that's what happened to Saul. That's why he lost his place. That's why the Bible said God rejected him. And Samuel never saw him again, never visited him again. I mean, it's a sad story when you read the whole thing. His ministry was over that day. It was over. He was in his place in the kingdom for a while longer. But he was miserable and tormented. And he never got back to his anointing. And he never got back to his place. And he died young. And he died wrong. It's a sad story. And it wasn't because he disobeyed. It was because he wouldn't repent. Sinning and making a mistake is not the end. Even being hard-headed and stubborn and disobeying is not the end. It only gets to the end when you won't repent. And that's what we read in Proverbs. Don't turn there, but just listen. Proverbs 29 and 1. He that being often reproved. Somebody say often. See, that's repeatedly, isn't it? Often, repeatedly reproved, who hardens his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. The English version says, if you get more stubborn every time you are corrected, one day you'll be crushed and never recover. It's not the disobedience. It's not the messing up. What is it? Won't repent. And if you won't repent and you just keep getting corrected and the more you get corrected, the harder you get and the stiffer your neck gets. And the more you say, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I ain't doing it. You can't make you do that enough times and you'll be destroyed and there won't be any fixing it. You lose things and you can't get them fixed and you can't get them back. Now, that's sad. That's serious. That's sober. But it's Bible. But you don't have to be in any danger of that. I said you don't have to be in any danger of that if, if, if you're willing and you'll obey. Now, did you find your place there in uh, First Corinthians, was it? Gave you plenty of time. Are you there? Good for you. First Corinthians. Fourth chapter, are we okay? Yes. Huh? Yes. Some things don't make you shout at the moment. But if you'll do it, oh man, you'll shout later. And you'll be shouting while you're prospering and somebody else is destroyed. And you didn't go down with them. How many remember Dathan, Korah, Abiram? Remember that? What are they known for? Rebellion. They got a bunch together. 250 famous people in the country. It's a big bunch. This would have been one of those cases where people have said, boy, there's a lot of people unhappy with the leadership in this place. A lot of people. How many? I, I know of 250 leaders. They just have had it up to here with the leadership. They were just fed up. Now, we hear from God, too. I'm quoting the Bible. But whose words are these? Korah. Dathan. They said, all the people are holy. We know God. We hear from God too. Who does Moses think he is? I mean, who put you in charge? 
That was their answer. Who put you over us? Who said you could tell us what to do? I mean, we've been out here for all these months and we just wander around in the desert and it's dry and we don't have what we need and you have not brought us into the promised land. We need new leadership. I think Moses is backslid. I think Aaron, uh, they're just not right. We need a leadership that will take us into the promised land. And Moses fell on his face. He knew they were in trouble. Because he knew how God felt about this. Didn't he? And they wanted to come out and hold up incense like they're priests. Because see, that's really what they were after. You know, when people talk like that, well, I think we need new leadership. I just don't, you know, I don't think that what we've got is what we need. You say, well, who would we get? And they go, well, I would be available. That's why it started. That's where it came from. Ulterior motive. They were after his spot. They were after the priesthood. Read the chapter and you'll see. And you remember the story. They came out there holding up their incense like they are the anointed priest. Like they are God's chosen. And there was this great rumbling. And the ground opened up. And all of them went down. And their donkeys and their dogs and their kids and their tents. Down into the ground. And it closed upon it. And basically God said, that's what I think about rebellion. It's serious. It's serious. He has not changed. He has not changed. He never changes. Can you understand how much trouble rebellion and disobedience has caused God? In heaven, with the angels, on the earth, in the plan of God. Could we begin to get an idea of how much he dislikes this and despises it? So it's no little thing. For you or me to be stubborn. Hmm? First Corinthians 4, are you there? Now let's get to something that is uh, where the rubber meets the road. The compound meets the pavement. First Corinthians 4. 2. It is required. Somebody say required. required. Is require mean optional? No. Huh? What does require mean? Yeah. Got to do it. Required means got to do it. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Somebody say faithful. 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 Let me just remind you of a few individuals in the Bible that were called faithful. The Bible said Samuel was faithful. God said, I'm going to raise me up a faithful priest that will do according to what's in my heart and my mind. Because he just had one that wouldn't listen to him. He said, I'm going to get one that will do what I tell him to do. And he got one, Samuel. Abraham is called faithful. God said concerning him, he said, I know him. I know him. He'll do what I tell him to do. He'll teach his kids to do what I tell him to do. He'll obey me. He'll keep this covenant. And he did. Bible said God found his heart faithful before him. Hallelujah. 
He said, I know him. He'll command his children in his household and he will keep the way of the Lord. He'll do it. Noah was called faithful. And listen to how the Bible describes it in Genesis 6. It said, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. How do we know God, Noah believed God? How do we know he had faith and believed God? He did what God told him to do. It took faith to do it. Right? How do we know that Noah trusted God? How do we know Noah was a faithful man? Because when God told him to do it, Noah did it. Oh, come on. Can you see this now? So we live in a society where people think it's just good enough to sit on the seat and go, Amen, Hallelujah, I believe it. And if you got enough tape series in your closet, then you're spiritual and you're okay. And if you go to enough meetings, then hallelujah, everybody knows. I go to every meeting in the country. No, we don't know that you're a faith person because you go to meetings. We don't know you're a faith man or woman because you have a bunch of CDs and DVDs. How would we know? How would we know? When God tells you to do something... You do it, and every time it's going to take faith to do what he tells you to do, right? That's how we know you trust God. That's how we know you have faith. That's how we know you are faithful, because when he tells you to do something, tell me what happens. What is the key to miracles that Jesus' mother told the people around at the wedding feast of Cana, that first miracle? What's the key to miracles? Whatever he says to you. Do it. Do it. And anybody in this place that's seen a miracle, you know that's the truth. Because God told you to do something. And when you did it, the miracle happened. Concerning Moses and Joshua, we won't take too much time with this, but I'm telling you, this is rich. The Bible said, I mean, go back and study sometime in the book of Exodus and Numbers and Joshua. It just says over and over again like this. It said Moses was faithful, Hebrews says. Exodus 7 said, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. Exodus 40, thus did Moses, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. Number 17, Moses did so as the Lord commanded him, so did he. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, so did Joshua. He left nothing undone that all the Lord commanded them. What's the basic thing you keep seeing? He told Moses, do it. What happened? Moses did it. Moses told Joshua, do it. What happened? Joshua did it. And he's called faithful. Listen to another translation of that 1 Corinthians 4 there. 1 Corinthians 4 Amplified says, it is essentially required of stewards that a man be found faithful, proving himself worthy of trust. Can you trust people that 70% of the time don't do what you tell them to do? Could God trust you if 70% of the time you don't do what he tells you to do? Who do you give your important stuff to? Huh? We got something big, something important that's got to be done. I'm talking about here at the church, here at the ministry, with the staff, with the volunteers. I mean, it's got to be done now. It's got to be done right. It's got to be done right the first time. You know who we pick to do it? Not the spotty ones. What's their record of obeying? Uh, 
60, I don't know, you know. Most of the time, yeah, but if it's got to be done, and it's got to be done right, who do you want to get? You want somebody that every time you have told them to do it, they did it. Every time, every time, every time. How do you think God is? When he's looking for people to use in the big stuff. Come on now, are y'all with me or not? He's looking for people... He's got a big job. It's got to be done. It's got to be done now. It's got to be done right the first time. Who's he going to tap? Huh? Who's he going to look for? People who say they're faithful? No, no. Huh? People who got a lot of books and tapes. People who've been to a lot of meetings. Come on now, tell me. Who's he going to call? People that the last 300 times he touched them and told them to do something, they did it. 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 And when you do that, you're going to qualify. And he's going to know he can trust you. Now, see, there's a lot of people say, well, now, you know, I may have been kind of spotty on that little trivial stuff. But I know if the Lord give me something important, then, you know, I'd get serious about it. No, you wouldn't. Jesus said you wouldn't. He said if you're not faithful in the little thing, you wouldn't be faithful with the big thing. And he's right. Hmm? So if we understand that, then to us, there really shouldn't be any little things. If the Lord says do it, I don't care how small it seems to men, shouldn't be little to us. Now, go to Acts 5. Acts 5. I didn't read one translation of this to you, and it's very good. First, uh, First Corinthians 4.2, if you'd put it up on the screen, and the, uh, the Living Bible translation, while y'all are going to Acts 5. Now, the most important thing, now, listen to me, the most important thing a serv- about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to. That's the Living Bible translation of 1 Corinthians 4.2. It's required in a steward that the man be found faithful. Now here they define faithful as a man that does exactly what his master tells him to. Now we know, we use that kind of terminology. You've got a, something that is a faithful rendering of something else. What does that mean? Hmm? It looks, let's say you got a document or a painting or some kind of thing. Somebody said, boy, that's a faithful rendering of that. What does it mean? It looks just like it. Hmm? Well, what if you're faithful to your Lord? Then according to this, you do just what he tells you to do. Now see, that's where Saul was trying to make it shades of gray. Well, we did do what you said. We went and we wiped them out. And, you know, we, we saved a gag and the people saved some livestock. But we did. No, you didn't. You didn't do just what you were told to do. Why? Because you had a better idea. You knew better. You're rebellious. Well, we, we, I mean, we basically, we did. No, you either did it or you didn't. The servant, the good steward, does just what his master tells him to. Exactly what his master tells him to. Now, where are you in your scripture? Acts 5. 
Uh, let's deal with something today that you hear all the time. And people have twisted it and made it a cover for their own personal rebellion. And it needs to be exposed. Acts 5. Acts 5. And I believe we're down here in uh, verse 29. There had been this healing of the people and miracles and Every time they, the leaders got called before the civil leadership, they told them to quit preaching about Jesus. They told them to quit using that name. And Peter and the other apostles, verse 29, they answered and they said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Hmm? Now you'll get good response off of this verse. Won't you? We ought to obey God rather than men. And have you heard people say, I obey God. I don't obey man. Sounds good now, don't it? It is again and again and again a cover for rebellion. I obey God. I don't obey any man. I obey God. I don't obey man. You don't take something the Word says and ignore all the other Scriptures. It all has to work together. Here are civil leaders commanding leaders of the church to not do what the head of the church told them to do. Hmm? When the head of the church tells you to do something, you best do it. And if somebody doesn't respect him enough... To acknowledge his authority, then you okay not acknowledging theirs on that specific thing. That's why they said, well, (laughs) we hear what you're saying. But we've already got orders from the head of the church. And now you've given us orders that contradict his. Now when you get contradicting orders, what should it come down to? Who has the higher rank? Hmm? Then you need to know who's got the higher rank. And we're getting into some, and we will as this goes on. Should you obey? Should you be obedient? You know you should. But here's a question. Who should obey whom? You're supposed to just obey everybody? Is everybody supposed to obey everybody? There is a doctrine I call mutual submission. People try to teach, well, we're all just supposed to submit to each other. How does that work? Do we just swap days? Whose day is it to submit to who? So what the Bible said, submit one to another. I know it did. What was it talking about, though? By nature of what submission is. We all can't submit to each other all the time. He's talking about the whole body. He's talking about all the ranks. He's talking about practicing submission. And then he mentions specifics. And if you studied the language, you'll find that in the Bible, the words for submit means to rank or arrange under. There is rank in the body of Christ. 
A lot of folk haven't wanted to acknowledge that, but there is. There will be in heaven. Amen. Mrs. Well, now we'll all be the same. Well, then you are a spiritual communist. <laughs> and God is not. The Bible tells us there will be some that will be rulers over ten cities. There's some be rulers over five. Some will be rulers over none. Hmm? The Bible says in the resurrection, we will be like the stars that differ in glory. Some stars are much brighter than others. We are not all going to be the same in glory in heaven. We are all loved the same. We all have equal rights to the Holy Spirit and our authority in the name of Jesus and healing and prosperity. But we don't all have the same place and rank in the body. Do we? Well, when people say, I obey God, I don't obey man. Again and again, it is a cover for their rebellion. They think it is an excuse for them to disobey. And it is unacceptable to God. What if the Lord told you to obey men? Well, it's getting a little too quiet in here now. I'm trying to finish up here. Hmm? What if the Lord told you? Now, how many would agree and say, I obey God? Y'all act scared to even answer this. (laughs) So, well, you're trying to set me up. Well, (laughs) is it me or is it somebody else? How many say without hesitation, I obey God? I obey. Well, what does it mean, obey God? Do. What he tells you to do. Well what if he tells you to obey a man? Could you say then. Well I obey God but I don't obey any man. Yeah but he told you to obey a man. Well but I obey God. I don't obey men. Yeah but God told you to obey men. Huh? She run out of wiggle room. You're getting down to where there ain't no way out of this except to obey or just be blatantly rebellious. Did he tell you to obey a man or men or people? Did he? Well, some folk need to be reminded apparently. Uh, let me read some things to you. Ephesians 6 1. Just hold on. I believe you can take the rest of this. Hold on. Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, do what? Obey. What if your five-year-old learns what you said and you tell them to do something? They go, I don't obey any man. <laughs> I just obey the Lord. <laughs> well, mama, that's what you said. Huh? You're eight-year-old. You're ten-year-old. I don't obey any man. <laughs> I just obey the Lord. Yeah, you're rebellious. Full of rebellion. The Lord told the children to obey the parents. How many understand by obeying the parent, the child is obeying God? Because God told you to obey your parent. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm 50 years old and my mom and daddy want me to do something that I don't think is right. He said, children... Obey your parents. You're not a child anymore at 40 and 50 years old. 
Are you with me? And spiritual parents won't be trying to run your life at 40 years old. Of course, it'd help if you'd move out. (laughs) There are scriptures in the Bible about leaving. Leaving and cleaving. Study that out. (laughs) Colossians 3. Listen to this one. Colossians 3. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Uh, One way you could apply this is say employees obey your employers. Hmm? People that are in charge in business and civil situations. Romans 13 told us to submit to those uh, that were in positions of authority. Well, if God told you to do that and you say, I don't obey any man, I just obey God. How can that be? If he told you to obey these men and you're not obeying them, how can you be obeying him? This is a cover for rebellion and people have used it until it's sickening. Have you ever heard it? Oh, I don't obey any man. Well, then you're rebellious because your everything for God is shown in what you do with men. Hmm? Isn't it true? What if a man says, I love God, I love God, I love God, but he hates his brother? He is a liar. Why? Because your love for God is shown in your love for people. And it's that way in every area. Oh man, I'm submissive to God. Let's see it. Submit to people. Oh, I don't obey any man-made rules. Then you don't even know the Bible. The Bible said be subject to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. People don't like that. Why? Rebellion don't want to hear this. It's like, no, 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 I'm spiritual. And I, I totally obey God. And I totally respect God. Of course, me and him's the only one that knows it. <laughs> and it can't be seen because it's just between me and him. So, you know, isn't that convenient? Yeah. You basically can do anything you want to do. And nobody knows because it's just between you and God. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. If you're not submissive to men, you're not submissive to God. If you don't obey men, you don't obey God. If you don't love men, you don't love God. It's a fact. Whatever you do with ever how you are with men, that's how you are with God. Don't kid yourself. It is much more obvious than people think. Hmm? It's the truth. Search the scriptures for yourself. See it. Servants, obey your masters. Did God tell us to do that? Then in order to obey him, we got to obey people that's over us. Titus 3.1. Titus 3.1. Put them in remembrance. Put them in mind to be subject to the principalities and powers. We usually think of demonic when we think of that, but that's not what he's talking about here. NIV says rulers and authorities to be obedient to them, to be ready to do whatever is good. Did he tell us to obey people? He did. Now finally go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. I think I can close with this. We'll see. If we don't, we don't. Did you find Hebrews? Hebrews. 
13th chapter. I hope something is set up in your heart today. I hope when you hear somebody say, I don't obey man. I don't obey man. I just obey God. I don't obey man's rules. I just obey the Lord. Red flags ought to go off in you. Right? And it ought not come out your mouth. Did the Lord tell you to obey men? Then in order to obey him, you're going to have to obey men. In order to obey God. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Them is plural. He's not talking about God. Who's he talking about? People. Who would that be in your life? You need to be able to meet. Now here, he's talking about spiritual leaders. Some translations bring it out that way. Romans 13 is talking about civil leadership. Here is talking about spiritual leadership. You should be able to give names of people who are over you in the Lord. And not just people you never see personally. And never have any interaction with. Hmm? There need to be names, names that you can call off and name. These people are over me in the Lord. Not because they are superior human beings. Not necessarily because they're more intelligent or even more spiritual. What gives them that right? God chose them, anointed them, put them into place. That qualified and told you to submit to them. This has not been taught enough. It's not been practiced like it should be. And because of that, I had the Lord say this to me. Uh, we were teaching on some of these things a while back. And he said this to me. Uh, uh, it's etched in my heart. I wrote it down. He said, my people are not getting the full benefit out of the gifts I've given them. What is he talking about? When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. Didn't he? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave gifts. He said, my people are not getting, they're not deriving the full benefit. Why? Because they're not submitting to them. They're not letting them have the place in their life. So they're not getting the full benefit of what they're anointed to do for them. Now, I don't have time to go into that. But can you see at least a little bit of that? See, we live in a society where you've got thousands of churches where the pastors are hirelings. They're not respected. People say, well, come hear our new little preacher. we got a new little preacher. He's pretty good. Come hear him. Of course, they're going to change him out in a year or two, whether they need to or not. Just to keep things stirred up. And you better not mess with their business. You know, you better not get into their affairs about their marriages or their children or their money or hey, 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 hey. We didn't hire you for that. We hired you to do our praying for us and our visitation and counseling. And the ministry has been diminished and reduced to this little pitiful hireling status. And so millions of people wouldn't even know what to do with a real pastor. Except get mad and rebel and leave. I ain't coming back. 
and don't realize they think they got a problem with the man. Don't realize that's how they are with God. They like to imagine they're not, but it was proven. Oh, can you hear this? Can you see this? Somebody says, well, I don't have a church. You need to find one. Quickly. Hmm? I don't have anybody that's over me. You do. You just haven't acknowledged it. (laughs) And you won't begin to get the full benefits out of them until you do. Do you obey God? What if he told you to obey somebody else? Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? (laughs) Now, good leaders... Good leaders are not going to be following you around today and say, Yea, thus saith the Lord, eat broccoli today, not cauliflower. <laughs> Yea, thus saith the Lord, wear the red tie, not the blue one. Yea, buy the Chevy, not the Ford. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, somebody like that, they got enough time to do that. They are not a good leader. They are not doing their job. No, 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 no. Good leaders are going to train you to be led by the Holy Spirit. Yourself. Right. But yet people will say, well, that's what I'm doing. You know, leadership said do this and Holy Ghost lead me to do something else. And you told me to be led by the Spirit. Mm. No. Now you are claiming you get more leading for the church than we do. You're claiming you hear from God better than us. You're not just trying to hear from God for you. You're trying to hear from God for us. And usurping authority over us. And refusing to submit to us. Can you see this? God is love. He's going to lead you in the way that's best for you. And if he commands you to do something, it's going to be to protect you or to bless you. Good leaders are extensions of him. And they're going to be doing the same thing. Right? Good leaders are not interested in you polishing their shoes or washing their car. They're interested in leading you out of darkness into light. Leading you out of sickness into health. Leading you out of poverty into prosperity. Leading you out of barrenness into fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And if you got any sense, you'll know it when God gives you a good leader. And you'll follow like a good soldier. Right? You'll endure hardness. You won't argue and you won't fuss and you won't disobey. You'll say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Which way? Here we go. Right? Are you with me now? Glory to God. How many remember the, uh, the soldier? Was a centurion that uh, had a sick servant. You remember that? And he sent the word to Jesus about his servant And uh, as Jesus was coming, he sent messengers. And he said, you know, I'm not worthy that you should come under my eyes. He was was a man that seen a lot of bloodshed. He he was a rough man in a lot of ways. He was a leader in war campaigns. And he said, "Uh, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. He said, but if you would just give the command, if you would just give the order for my servant to be healed, I know he would be healed because I myself am a man under authority. What does that mean? I have people over me. Did you reckon he knew who was over him in the chain of command? I guarantee you he did. And he said, and I got people under me. He's talking rank. Can you hear it? He said, I got people over me and I got people under me 
And I say to this soldier, go here, and what happens? I guarantee you, in the Roman army, you didn't say, how come? Why are we going over that? You should. You might do it once. And he said, I say to my servant, do this. What happens? No, yeah, yeah, no excuses. No, I forgot. What happens? He does it. And he said, because of that, because that's how I live, because I understand these things, I know if you'll just say it, that'll be it. Messengers came back and told Jesus that. You remember what he did? He stopped in his tracks. He said, my, my, my. Boys, that is faith. Did the centurion use the word faith? Did he use the word believe? I don't remember it in these words. We're faith people, right? And yet here Jesus says, I hadn't seen faith like this in the whole nation of Israel that includes the one standing around him. The twelve. This is not a seminary graduate. This is not somebody that knows all the languages. This is not somebody even in the ministry. This is a soldier. Jesus says, mm, 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 mm. the Bible said he was impressed with it. He, I mean, it takes something to impress the Lord. He marveled. He said, I hadn't seen faith like that in this whole nation. And what happened? He gave the word. That servant was healed immediately. wonder what happened to our faith if we'd learned these things. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit on this one. I don't have time to get into it. But later on in this series, we'll see when I can get to it. But Jesus never disobeyed the Father. Never. Never rebelled against a command. Never waited three months about obeying. Never reasoned and argued. Never tried to deceive and blame somebody else and wiggle his way out. Never, never. He said, I do always those things that please him. The father told him to do it. He did it. Every time. Why? Faithful. Notice this. This is the universal law of sowing and reaping. How many times did diseases disobey him? How many times did demons not listen to him and not obey him? How many times did trees and wind and waves not obey him? Never. Never. Oh, come on. Do you see this? Do you see this? You want stuff to obey you? You obey God. You want it to obey you every time? Obey him every time. You want it to obey without delay? Obey him without Delay without hesitation. With the oh, can you see this? This is light. This is revelation. This is truth. And it explains why so much hasn't happened. It explains why there have been so many seeming failures. Why there has been so much rebellion. People try to cover it over. Oh, they put on their good clothes and their makeup and they comb their hair and they come to church and go hallelujah. But oh, they're rebellious. Ooh, you see it. Leadership sees it. I mean, everything's fine as long as they're doing what they want to do. But something comes up and they have to submit. Ooh, you see a lot of ugliness. And they try to use spiritual language. Well, now, bless God. I respect y'all now, and I do, and I love you. What's coming? (laughs) 
but I have to do what the Lord tells me to do. And it's so interesting that them and God's the only one that ever knows what that is. So convenient. If God told you to obey a man, can you obey God without obeying the man? Now, we've already touched on this. What if a man tells you to disobey something the Lord has told us in this book? You can't do that. Right? Hmm? Bible tells wives to submit to their husbands. But, you know, I remember like uh, Smith Wigglesworth and his wife Polly. It said in the beginning days he was not saved and he was rough. She went to church. He didn't. He forbid her from going to church. And we've had this all the time. But wives ask us, well, my husband don't want me to come to church. What do you do? The Bible told me to submit to my husband. My husband told me don't go to church. What do you do? I'm in a dilemma. Not really. Who outranks who? When you got conflict in orders, all you need to do is find out who's got the higher position. That's all you got to find out. Did the Lord tell you to go to church? Yes, he did. He told you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so, Smith, you know, we know him as the great man of faith, but at that time, he wasn't. And he forbid her to go to church. So, she went to church. And it made him mad. And he locked her out of the house. And when she got to the house, she couldn't get in. So she just had to sit there on the doorstep. It was cold. Now, a lot of women would have missed it right here. They'd have blown a wonderful opportunity. Let me show you how. She helped pulled her coat around herself. Spent the rest of the evening on the doorstep. He got up that morning, opened the door, and she kind of half fell in. She got up and she said, Morning, Smith. What do you want for breakfast? <laughs> Cooked him a good breakfast. Now, she had told him before she left. She said, Now, Smith, I love you. You're the head of this house. And whatever you say about this house goes. But Jesus is the head of the church, and he told us to go to church. Amen. So I'm going to have to go. Wasn't long after that, he was saved. Got in. Now, what if she'd have pitched a fit? What if she'd have went to her lady friends and talked bad about him? Come on, are you listening? Which is what usually happens with charismatics and so-called faith people. Yet the Bible says, if man is not won by the word, he can be won by the lifestyle of the wife. The love, the faith. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Can you see this? So, yes, there can come, especially with people that are not godly, there can come things where we come head to head. They're telling us to do something that the Lord told us different. And in that case, we'll just have to politely say, I can't. Somebody commands us, they pass a law in the U.S. that says you can't read your Bible. I'm going to break that law. Amen. Amen. Did you hear me? 
They passed the law and said, it's illegal to, to pray in tongues. I'm going to break that law. And yet the Bible told me to respect those who are in authority over me. Hmm? I'm talking about civil leaders. And so in every other way that I can, I must. Because if I don't, I'm disobeying God. But see, that doesn't happen every day. People like to imagine it does. And there's some people that just that rebellious, no matter what their husband would say, no matter what their pastor would say, no matter what their boss would say, they say, well, the Lord's telling me something else. It's not in the Bible. I said, it's not in the Bible, but they're getting something else. I'm getting something else. I'm sorry, but the Lord has told me something else. And nobody knows but them and the Lord. It's a cover for their continuous rebellion. Watch it. Don't let that happen to you. Don't yield to that. Don't fall into that snare. Don't fall into that trap. The Bible said, Hebrews, I'm closing. Hebrews 13, can you see it? Hebrews 13, 17. Do what? Do what? Read the Bible for me now. Do what? Obey them. More than one. Obey them that have the rule over you and do what? Who's going to make you submit? Don't wait on them to make you submit. If they're good leaders, they're not going to try to make you submit. Who's going to submit you to them? You must submit yourself. That's the willingness, the willingness. Here I am. I'm ready to do it. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. Hmm? And there will be times, there will be times when somebody in a position of authority tells you to do something and you're thinking, uh-uh. No, 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 that's not what I had. No, mm, no, no. And you better shut up and go, yes, sir. Right away. And if they're wrong, that's between them and the Lord. Because you're still doing what he told you to do. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Unless it just blatantly violates the written word. You're told to submit. You're told to obey. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.